This episode of the Open Guardcast is brought to you by Electrum Performance. Electrum is one of the leading strength and conditioning providers for Jiu-Jitsu. So if you use our uh, our coupon code OpenGuardcast25, you can get 25% off all their programs. And yeah, Jake just actually got a chance to go down to San Diego and train with Alex, both Alex's, Alex Sterner and Alex Bryce. So we'll be posting about that coming up. But yeah, so for today we have uh, Pedro Piquito Hamalio as a guest. Episode 73, you can follow Pedro at Pedro Piquito Hamalio on Instagram. And yeah, we're super excited. Um, so Pedro, thanks for thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Man, thank you very much for the invite. Uh, yeah. It's a pleasure to be able to share some of my experience and try to help. Uh, yeah, for sure. Listen to the podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I was telling Pedro before, uh, before we started recording that I found out about him through Espen Matisson. Espen was on one of our earlier episodes, and he's a good friend of mine. And I remember Pedro fought Espen in the final of the Worlds at Purple Belt. And Espen was just beating the crap out of me leading up to that tournament training. And I just thought he was going to run through everyone. And um, him and Pedro had, like, an amazing match in the finals, and Pedro ended up winning. Did, was, was that a, a ref's decision, or did you win by advantage? I, I remember it being really close. Yeah, it was an advantage in the last, like, I don't know, 10, sec- ten seconds. Yeah. No, it was, like, he was, no, uh, yeah, it was an advantage. I yeah. swept in the last uh, 10 seconds or 15 seconds, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy match. And ever since then, I've been following your career, so just really excited to talk to you and pick your brain about jiu-jitsu. Yeah, for sure. That's my favorite thing in the world, so we're fine. <laughs> awesome. So you want to just start talking about how you got like introduced to the sport and then what it was like when you first walked into the academy? So I started training because my best, my best friend was uh, started doing jiu-jitsu, and he was always like, man, you have to come train, you have to come train. I was like, no, no, man. I'm, <laughs> I always loved soccer, so I was like a soccer guy. Like, yeah, no, man, I'm not going to do any martial arts, you know, like soccer and shit like that. But he was always like for four months, like, you have to go, you have to go. And then he started beating me, like (laughs) double legging me in the room and stuff like that. So one day I got tired. I was like, okay, man, I'll I'll go. And then, yeah, since I tried it, I loved it right away. I remember my first class and I absolutely loved it. And when I when I started training, it was a group of guys my age, so like we didn't differentiate like adults from kids. I was 15. I was not a kid. I was 15 at the time. But like when you have people your age, you always like unite and everything. Yeah. So like I started training. Uh, I did one training, did the second training, and then at the third training, my coach was like, "Okay, guys." to like to the other uh to my friends like bring uh 10 euros so you can get the um, the registration for the tournament like they all brought it so they they were training for like eight months now or one year i know so i brought i brought the money too i was like what are you doing like (laughs) started training on wednesday i take your money home (laughs) yeah but they're, they're competing i want to compete too it was like at first he wouldn't let me but then you're a kid what is going to happen so yeah, I went to compete and then I lost my first fight 31 to 0. Wow. And then it was a three a three man bracket and then I um went to the second fight and then I got submitted. But yeah, so I got straight away into competition. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's actually something I, I really like to ask people who come on is just how they how they were as a, a kids competitor or like early in their jujitsu days. If they some some people win all the time, some people lose all the time. But it's just interesting to hear about their transition from like a kids belt kind of into the adult ranks. So do you want to talk about like competing in the kids ranks and how you did, and then how you kind of transitioned into the adult ranks? Yeah, yeah of course. Like uh, it wasn't easy. Like it wasn't easy in a way. Like. Uh, speaking about results, because like I lost my first five or six tournaments, like I didn't want a single fight, I didn't win a single fight, but um, like I was, I was not really worried about it, you know. Like I really, really liked jiu-jitsu. I trained a lot. I was doing everything that I could, like in and out of the mat. I wasn't thinking about like being a world champion or anything, but I just loved it, you know. So yeah. I lost. I would, I would lose and then come back to the same thing. And then everything changed when I won my first match, 
I was like, I'd only had one match against a much lighter kid. And yeah, I won by submission. And yeah, I was super happy. Like after one year something, I won my first match, you know? <laughs> like I don't suck as much anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, this, this was in green belt. So I was a yellow belt. I competed like, yeah, four times and then I would lose every tournament. I didn't lose. I didn't win a single fight. Then green belt. Yeah, I won that fight. And then it came the 2011 Europeans. And then my coach promoted me to blue belt so I could fight. And yeah, I was absolutely shitting myself, like (laughs) really nervous. Uh, like I, I didn't sleep at all that night. I was like up all night. I swear. Yeah. I was really, really, really nervous. And then, like when I went to the um, warm-up area, like they called my name. I was so nervous that it didn't move for like five <laughs> seconds. Like Pedro, let's go. And I, like, I was like, no, no, let's I'm go, frozen. Let's go. I was like, <laughs> you know, that I I could finally move. Uh, yeah, and then I I was able to win the tournament. I won the first fight. Like I just I could only do close guard. It was the only thing that I do. Uh-huh. I didn't know how to pass, so I was shit at passing until purple belt. I didn't really didn't know how to pass a guard, so I just swept from close guard to mount, then pulled back to close guard, and then swept back. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I just went back and forth in a loop. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, the um, the second fight, I was, yeah, I don't know how I how I won that fight, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy was trying to pass all over. He did, like, 10 advantages of passing. Then I could sweep in the last five seconds. <laughs> I won. Like, I, I didn't believe I won. That's yeah, and crazy. then in the finals, like, it was, it changed. I was really nervous, those two, the first two fights. And then when I went to the final, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to lose, you know, like I made it this far and not going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And then I won the Europeans and I was like, okay, uh, maybe I'm good at it, you know? Yeah. That's such a cool story because the Europeans is a really, really hard tournament. Um, I think for a lot of people who don't, who aren't familiar with it, there's a lot of Brazilians who are able to get over to Portugal, to Lisbon, who can't always get over to the U.S., so you got a lot of good Brazilian competitors competing. Obviously, everyone in Europe, um, it's expensive for them to get to the U.S. too. So you have pretty much all the best European and all the best Brazilian grapplers going there. So that's crazy to me that it took you um, kind of all the way up. You went through the kids' ranks, and you didn't really win like a lot of tournaments until you won the Europeans, which is one of the biggest tournaments in the world. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I don't know how it happened either. Like you know, sometimes it just clicks, you know. Uh huh. Like people, I know it depends. Like some people just go like get a bit better every day, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think everyone that that trains like does that gets a bit better every day. But sometimes something clicks, you know. Definitely. So, yeah, that's what happened to me. Did you? So you didn't feel like you made like a huge technical jump or like a change in your mindset. It was just things just seemed to click that day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. That's crazy. Like, yeah. It's it's what happens, and then it happened again, like when I yeah after that I won the Europeans, I won the nationals, and it was a it was a good year. And uh, 2012, I think yeah I fought uh, lightweight I think I took third place, but it was the same thing I was like trying and trying and trying and then things didn't seem to work out, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I was not really caring about it still. I was like, yeah, I like it, so I'll do it, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's like a mindset too, that when when competitors can get into it, like, oh, I'm doing this because I love it. I'm going to train hard every day just because it's what I enjoy. I feel like that's a time when they usually make a lot of strides in their game because they're not letting losses or defeats or bad training days get in the way of them getting better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Of course, I think in the beginning, it's, it's all fun. Like, if you start pushing yourself in the beginning, like you won't get the most out of jiu-jitsu, you know? Yeah. So, like, if you have a goal, then, you sh- of course, you should push yourself. That's what happened, like, afterwards. I really, when I had the goal of just, like, okay, now I want to be a European champion. Mm-hmm. So I really started pushing myself. And, yeah, I was like, 
it's the opposite. Sometimes things don't click, you know. So like something sometimes the referee like 2012, I don't know, it's 13. I lost uh, because of a referee mistake. I I swept at the end or in the middle of the fight. I don't know. But we I pulled guard and I swept 50-50. Then I stayed on top and then I was on bottom. But all of a sudden I was losing by two points and I was on bottom. I was like, how is this? How is this possible? Yeah. You know. So <laughs> afterwards, I watched the match and the referee gave like when I swept, he gave two points to the wrong guy. Oh man, that's that's like, always tough. <laughs> yeah. Like, the referees weren't as good as now, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so, I was like, I trained a lot for this. And then the next year, it was the same thing. I was like, man, sometimes thing, things don't click. And then 2015, it clicked, you know? And I won. I didn't do anything different, you know? Uh, maybe, I think I pushed myself a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, sometimes it, it just click, you know? So, That's after you won... Blue belt Europeans, I'm sure your confidence kind of went up, and then you know you were getting a little bit better results in tournaments. Do you remember when it became your goal to to win the worlds? Uh, yeah, after the after I won the Europeans uh, on on purple belt. After the oh, after the purple belt Europeans, that was 2015 as well. Yeah. Awesome. So I was yeah, I went to fight like I was not really concentrated on on winning or anything. I was just concentrating on like winning the matches, you know. I was not thinking about the medal. I was like, man, whoever appears in front of me, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to win the match, you know. And then yeah, I started winning fights and winning and winning. I fought Aspen that that year also. I think yeah, that was, man. I don't know if that was tougher than the world's finals, but that was insane too. You fought him at Europeans. Yeah. So I was, uh, yeah, I knew he was really good and good at Brimbolos, and I was good at Spider Guard. So I was like, yeah, like strategically, this won't work out if I just play normally, you know, because I want yeah. to play uh, to uh, pull and play Spider, but he would Brimbolo me right away. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I have to pass. I have no option. <laughs> but I wasn't really good at passing. I was starting to be good, but uh, I wasn't really, really good at the time, you know. So the first three minutes, he was attacking all over me, and I was getting tired. I tried to pass a couple of times. I couldn't. I wasn't even close, and I was just really tired. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, now I'm dead, you know? Uh, like, I'm going to lose. My mind was like, I'm going to lose. Then my coach was like, you have to pass this guy. You have to pass this guy. <laughs> okay, like, one more try. And then I did, like, the, I don't know, the hardest story end of my life. And I was there for, like, 2.9 seconds. <laughs> Then he pushed me away. I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to lose. Then I saw that I had the three points. And, uh, yeah, I was just defending the whole match. And, yeah, I think that match was really when I when I thought, okay, I have what it takes to be a world champion, you know? Mm-hmm, because, definitely. yeah, it took a lot of heart to, to win that match. Yeah, I've heard you talk about in, in some other podcasts you were on about how badly you wanted to win the 2015 Worlds at Purple Belt. So, like... Like, I, I know you mentioned waking up and wanting, like, every day that was your goal. And, like, every hour of the day was you working towards that goal of winning the Worlds. So was that, would you feel like that was, like, the best training camp or, like, preparation for a tournament that you'd been through prior to that tournament? Um, I think so. Because, like, some things have to align, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just, okay, I have the best training partners, I have the best physical conditioning program. And this will be the best camp, you know? Yeah. Like, and that year, like, just things aligned. Like, I worked really hard, but also it worked out, you know? So mm-hmm. I came from wins. I was like, okay, I think I can do this, you know? But I wasn't sure. So now when you, when you're not, when you think you can do it, but you're not sure, you train really hard. You do whatever it takes. And yeah, it was pretty much that. I was doing everything I, like from waking up to falling asleep. I was thinking about it every day for like four months. I went there and I won. And like the year after, like it's also hard. I didn't like you think about that for uh, four months. Now you you make it, you make it. And now you think like I was really happy that day. But after was like okay, now what? For sure. You know? <laughs> 
and that was i think the toughest experience uh i had because i know i know like i know i love jiu-jitsu i always love jiu-jitsu like i said from the beginning but uh, i was like i had no motivation you know okay like i trained i did my best but i was pushing myself like i didn't want to be there you know i was still doing it but in my heart i didn't want to be there so yeah i had a rough couple of years afterwards because of that you know and like 2000s i remember 2016 i made the final two and i was fighting renato canuto mm -hmm. and then i was like waiting they call us and i was sitting and waiting i was like man i, I don't want to fight like it would be cool if he didn't show up <laughs> then i was like what the fuck am i thinking you know? <laughs> yeah i should be happy about this <laughs> yeah i should be happy i should be like wanting to win you know mm -hmm. like that year was also really hard like i said like it things have to align because 2016 2015 was really good 2016 i was injured the whole year like i injured my knee before the euros i still went to fight i managed to win but like i could see like i i won the euros but i didn't fight as well mm -hmm. you know something was off and then your confidence goes a little bit down and then like from january I had a back injury on my lower back, so I couldn't train for like one month. Then I came back, first training session, I injured my shoulder. Oh, wow. Yeah, one month out, and then first session, when first or second session, when I came back, lower back again. So I was out for three, I was out for three something months, you know? And I was going to fight the Abu Dhabi, that were pro like i didn't train i think i trained for like two days mm -hmm. i remember i was fighting on a yeah i was fighting on a thursday i started training for the tournament on uh the sunday before oh my god that's crazy yeah i was like right right now i was like man i was stupid you know yeah i shouldn't have fought but uh yeah i fought i lost to dante leon for one advantage it was like and that that was also like okay now it's a little bit worse your confidence is a little bit worse then i went to the worlds uh, and, and between the worlds and the uh, and the uh, the abu dhabi i was out for one month because of my wrist so i trained for one week for the worlds the black belt worlds no the the brown belt oh that was still brown belt okay yeah and like like I lost to Renato in the final, and then, like, man, I was, for one month or two months, I was, like, super depressed. Right now, like, I look back, and it was really stupid, because I made it to second place, training for, I don't know, two, three weeks mm -hmm. in a five-month period. So, yeah, right now, I'm really proud I, I did that, you know? But at the time, I was like, man, that was really, really bad. You yeah. Know? Really I think it's I didn't leave the house and anything. Yeah, I think that's super interesting because you kind of you started out your jiu-jitsu competition career not not winning. You put so much work into getting those first like European and world titles and then once you got it, it was kind of hard to deal with that level of success. So like yeah. do you feel like are there any like tools or any like strategies you used like since then to to kind of deal with all the ups and downs because like as a professional competitor, like you said, you're going through all those injuries, you have really big wins, you have really big losses. And I think having all those highs and lows can be really challenging to deal with. So like, have you found a way to, to deal with that like more consistently? Yeah, for sure. Like not right away. I took quite some time. Uh, after that, I was like not really motivated for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I was pushing through, like, I was like that 2017, 2018, I was like, of course, I love, I love, I love training and everything, but I didn't have like the fire inside, you know, that you have to have to, to fight, you know, Yeah. and especially like, if you come from a place where the jiu-jitsu is not the best, you know, I don't have the best training conditioning, uh, conditions, you know, um, yeah, I was doing college. Also, I was, I was in university, so I didn't have, like, full time, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that the fire on the inside is what makes it up for everything else, yeah. you know? I never Definitely. care that, I never care that, like, yeah, those guys are, I don't know, in Atos or Alliance. I didn't care about that. But, uh, yeah, 
but it's kind of like it's like math you know you have to have something yeah and 2015 what i had is that fire inside and for the years uh, after i didn't have it so yeah i knew that something was missing you know so yeah i was trying to learn how to deal with myself it's like it was kind of growing up you know Mm -hmm. like so you yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so you obviously were able to overcome that because you recently got second. Well, not recent anymore, but it feels recent because yeah. of coronavirus. But you got second at the Europeans at Black Belt, which is obviously a huge accomplishment. You fought some really good guys, uh, including Tommy in the final, Tommy Langaker. So, like, do you feel like you got to a point before that tournament as a Black Belt where you were excited to compete again? You had that fire, that type of thing? Yeah, exactly. Like, that was the first tournament since the Worlds 2015 that I was actually excited to fight, you know? And I know I was excited because usually I'm a guy that thinks a lot, you know, that mm-hmm. tries to analyze things. Uh, so, like, the years prior, I was, like, always, like, trying to analyze everything, you know? But if you do it too much, it's bad for you. Definitely. <laughs> I was... Uh, I was going to fight lightweight because I I fought lightweight all, almost all my life, but I was cutting a lot of weight. Worlds mm-hmm. 2019, like, I was dead when I was going to fight. Like, And I was going to fight lightweight. Uh, oh, and between that, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try how lightweight is. I am going to do a tournament and I'm going to, fight, if I fight well, I'm going to um, fight heroes at lightweight. If not, I'm going up to middleweight. So I, I did, I, I did a better weight cut. I was like, okay, I'm going lightweight. But then I was in the camp and two weeks before I was signing up and I was like, eh, you know what? Fuck it. You know, <laughs> I want to eat. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like that. And I was like, of course, I really want to win, but uh, I was not letting it get um, like a hold of me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like this is not what will what will say if I win or not. Like fuck it. And I was obviously underweight because I was weighing 80 kilos, you know. So I was not strong for the for the division. I felt really weak actually. But uh, yeah, like I said, if you have that fire on the inside, it makes it all different, you know. And I was really excited. I was in a good mindset. I was like, I was actually missing uh, loving to compete. You know, it's a really good feeling getting into the warm up area instead of like having pressure or like thinking about, oh, what am I going to do? Just feeling the moment, you know, like now I'm going to fight and I'm going to do what I love and fuck everything else, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? That's, so, that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And it worked, worked out well. Like, I think I did my best that day. I don't think I could have beaten Tommy that day. He was much stronger physically, you know, and I had the wrong uh, game plan. Like, looking back, I did everything wrong. <laughs> but, uh, like, but it's fine because you only learn by being there and trying it out, you know. And, yeah, it was, it was really good. I, I was happy about it. Usually, I'm not happy about, like, being in second. But if you know, like, okay, that was the best I could do that day. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I'm sure you saw Tommy's matches leading up to that, too. But right before that, he fought um, Ronaldo Jr., I believe, was the semifinal. Yeah, it was Ronaldo. Yeah, he had that crazy triangle and just pretty much no one saw that coming. Um, At least least I didn't. Maybe some people did, but Tommy probably did. But yeah, he's a really hard person to fight. And like you said, he's really strong. So do you plan on fighting middle, like going forward throughout your career? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You do? Okay. No more lightweight, man. Yeah. (laughs) No, like instead of my plan, like after the the Euros was, okay, I'm going to stay middleweight, but Mm -hmm. I have to get much stronger, you know? So like strength training has to be like as important or almost as important as uh, jiu-jitsu training. Can you talk about what you what you are planning on doing for your strength training, like specifically? Because I know there's a lot of debate in jiu-jitsu about what like the best methods are, whether it's trying to do stuff that's more specific to the sport or just doing like powerlifting. I think everyone kind of has their own way of doing it. But do you want to yeah. talk about how you like to strength train? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like 
I think that's that's there's no best way. Like mm-hmm. you have tons of uh, tons of athletes, and uh, each one has a favorite thing, you know. And there's mm-hmm. it's two. I think it's two components. First, what is best, what it's lacking in their body, you know, and what they like to do. Because if you're forced to be to do something that you don't like, like you won't do it, you won't push yourself as hard. Yeah, you that know? makes a lot of that sense. Because, like you said, like finding your weak points and building them up, but also making sure you can stick to it. Yeah, because it you won't do it, you know, mm-hmm. like you you just won't. Or you do it, but you won't be as happy, you know, in your everyday life. So you won't give as much in uh, jujitsu and everything else, you know. Definitely. Like, I'm not saying that you're not going to do it, but you're not going to do it as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, you have to check those two boxes, you know. Mm-hmm. For example, if you have a guy that's like short and uh, more stork, more stocky, you know, mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't have to do as much strength training. He has to do more explosive training or cardio. Yep. You know. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm the opposite. I'm lanky you know yeah <laughs> like i n- i never had a a big problem with endurance you know or being explosive going from 0 to 100 in one second but i had a really really big problem with strength you know like Just i was like absolute strength absolute strength yeah mm-hmm. like in everything you know i would never win the the scrambles and everything you know i was bad at stand up because of it so yeah, in the meantime, it was it was a bit before, but definitely like a lot, um, a lot after the the Europeans. I was like, no, I have to do a lot of strength training. So I focused a lot on that uh, last year. I do like I split a little bit. I do pure strength and hypertrophy mm-hmm. to get some weight, you know, because uh, as I said, I was. Uh, under, I was 80 kilos and middleweight is 82. Yep. So yeah, I want to get to 83, 84. Right now I'm around 82. Like right on the weight right now. Yeah, but I already feel like a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. So, so what what type of, of movements do you do in the in the gym? Is it more like powerlifting stuff, or is it just like? Uh, just random strength exercise. I'm sure it's not random, but is it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're like your favorite strength exercises. Um. Yeah, I do kind of a mix. Like for pure strength, I do powerlifting. I do mostly like deadlifts, squats, bench press, mm-hmm. uh, weighted um, pull-ups, hip thrusts, and that's mostly it. Like basic compound movements. Yeah, for strength training and. Uh, like besides that, I do hyper hypertrophy also. Mm-hmm. Like working all the different individual muscle groups and just trying to grow like throughout your whole body. Yeah, that's my favorite training. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like I said, like it's what I prefer and what I feel. I really feel uh, that in in my performance, like doing mm-hmm. hyper hypertrophy. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that answer because I feel like I've ne- I've asked a lot of people that question. I never heard an answer like that. Like it has to be a combination of building up your weaknesses and also something that you enjoy. And that's like most people are like, oh, you have to do strength training, you have to do powerlifting, or you have to do these airdyne bike sprints or something. But I really like the way you put that, and I think that can definitely help a lot of people out there who are trying to add strength and conditioning to their routine. Oh yeah, man, for sure. There's I can guarantee I'm no expert in in that but there's no like you have to do this like if you hate it like it won't help you like of course like okay this shows good results you know doing strength training shows good results like 95 percent of the athletes perform better Mm -hmm. like that's a fact but like if you don't like it or i don't know if you absolutely hate it i don't believe you'll perform better you know maybe you're better off doing something else yeah, and like like you said earlier, like you're gonna put a lot more effort into something that you're getting enjoyment out of, and it's just gonna put you in a better mood. It's gonna make it easier to do jujitsu at a better level, things like that too. I think. Yeah, for sure. That's what I believe. Like, like my my um, strength and conditioning coach, like that's the conversation I had with him. Mm-hmm. He like, okay, you really like to do hypertrophy, 
let's put that in. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I would do hypertrophy uh, either way. You know, but um, it put one more training of hypertrophy a week just because I like it. Okay, so let's explore it. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling uh, at my best right now. So that's, that's how awesome. It do you yeah. feel like that that mindset is kind of similar for like your jujitsu training or like even like your diet? Like you kind of have to find the things that maybe like you're weak or you're lacking in, build those up. That's always important. But also you have to find the things that make you happy, that allow you to be more consistent with it. Do you feel like that principle kind of applies across the board? Man, for sure. Especially diet. Like, yeah. <laughs> diet is the hardest thing that you'll do, you know? I think so. So like – for example, I had to cut a lot of weight. So I'm already tall and skinny, mm-hmm. you know, skinny. But, um, and on top of that, I had to cut like four kilos, five kilos. Yeah, it was like, that's... it was only the bones left, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, for some time, I wasn't eating absolutely anything. So I was talking to my nutritionist, and he was like, okay, let's put here, like, two squares of chocolate you know and it changed everything you know like i felt way better than like using those calories on for example rice but if you ask some i don't know someone or any nutritionist like yeah it's better to have that in rice you know but i okay like scientifically it's better but i felt like two times worse if i didn't have the chocolate you know yeah. If I had the chocolate, I was already happy. I was like hungry and everything, but I was like, okay, fuck it, I'm happy. Yeah. So you, you kind of like let yourself have that little like treat or that enjoyment, and then it just made the rest of the diet easier, like getting in all the stuff that you needed. But because you know that you have this, like psychologically, you know that you're not just restricting yourself until you know until you crash or whatever. You have these little treats or these moments where you can um, like enjoy yourself, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure, of course. And it's also like uh, one thing that I also learned talking back about that, like that phase when you push yourself and then things don't don't go right and everything. Like it was always because I always pushed myself to the absolute limit, you know. Mm-hmm. I I only I only accept like the best results, you know. So I was mm-hmm. like, I have to be first place. I will do whatever it takes, and I did whatever it takes. But I wasn't happy. I wanted more. I wanted more every time, you know. And if you don't yeah. stop, like, sometimes, okay, I worked really hard. And, like, you have to treat yourself with anything, you know. Just, you don't have, it has, doesn't have to be something physical. It's just like, okay, you did your best or, man, you worked really hard. That was good. Okay. If you just go, like, more and more and more, eventually you'll crash. Yeah, like, you almost have to accept that you deserve, like, some time, some type of award. Yeah. Like either it's yeah. psychological or like you said, physical with diet or whatever, or maybe even like a break if you need extra rest days or something like that. Exactly. That's a, that's a big one too. Yeah. So another yeah. thing you mentioned that I wanted to talk to you about was um, kind of the, cause you, you're from Portugal. So um, yeah. where Lisbon, is that correct? Where the Europeans Porto, is held? Porto. It's um, Porto in the North. Oh, okay. Awesome. So like you said, it's not like a place known for, having hundreds of jiu-jitsu academies, all these high-level competitors. So, and, and I believe I read that you went from white to black under the same professor. Is that correct, yeah. too? Yeah. Awesome. So do you want to talk about what that was like, like kind of the challenges of not having high-level guys, but also what some of those, like, like maybe how that caused you to be more analytical and maybe give you some opportunities, too? Because I think I've talked to Espen about this, and um, he was just saying that, like, Basically, if you're not always training with high-level guys, you get to practice more moves as opposed to someone in like Otto's HQ or something. They're pretty much just trying to survive or they're only playing their A game. So would you agree with that or do you feel like there's other pros and cons of training in a room where there's not world champion black belts? I mean, I think if you have a good vision, like if you're in Otto's, you'll do the same thing. You'll try new moves, you know. You'll you'll find a balance between uh training your a your a game and trying new moves you know mm-hmm. like of course that means that you'll get um trash sometimes in training but yeah. if you have like a vision like okay this happens because it has to happen for me to get better 
you know. Mm-hmm. But I think it's easier to accept in smaller gyms because yeah, you have the control, like to not get trashed, even yeah. though it moves, you know. <laughs> Definitely. But um, like training in a smaller gym, it was, I don't know, it was good, but you also have always have the question like, if what, um, how would you be if you have like really really good training partners, you know? Like, I can't complain because uh, my training partners always did, like, everything to help me in camps for a competition. Like, I only had one guy that trained full-time. Mm-hmm. It was uh, my friend Guilherme uh, Jardin. He also won the Abu Dhabi World Pro in Brown Belt 2000, yeah, 2019. Yeah. Um, so, it was mostly, like, people who were doing were just working and then would train in the evening and they would just help me you know yeah. so that was really good people like uniting to help someone you know but at the same time it's hard because you don't have like someone to exchange ideas you know mm-hmm. uh, okay like i want to do some specific training like there's no one you know yeah or sometimes you get it, like there's someone but you can't get it regularly mm-hmm you know, so that was hard, like wanting to do do more, but like you can't, you know, or uh, yeah, exchanging ideas about techniques and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. That was the thing that I missed the most, like one of the best times I ever had in like jujitsu wise was when I went to visit uh, John, John Thomas mm-hmm. last year in Gothenburg and like he's always talking about jiu-jitsu and techniques and stuff like that like I was like finally I am so- with someone who <laughs> thinks of like in the same way you know yeah jiu-jitsu on his so, brain 24/7 <laughs> yeah so we were discussing jiu-jitsu 24/7 I was like man this is really cool you know That's but awesome. uh right now like actually after the coronavirus we opened in June and right now we have like a squad of blue belts who are really really good training like two times uh, a day physical conditioning and like wanting to compete so like before it was like two three tops right now we have like a squad of 10 oh that's amazing yeah so like for the first time in my life okay i have competitors around me and i'm really really happy about it i'm really really happy to like help them and push them to being their best you know mm-hmm. and now i can actually do what uh, I couldn't in the past like I always have someone to okay let's do specific training like okay let's go let's do this okay let's go let's stay here for one hour to do um, to drill or to analyze some technique and that's really really cool and also yeah during quarantine I was um, like for four months we were for no three months in lockdown and I have my roommate, uh, Luca Late. He's re- a really, really good uh, purple belt too. I think like next the the second that they they open competitions, he will he will definitely put on a show. He's really, really good. But um, yeah, so like we got mats in the house and we were training every single day, like analyzing techniques and stuff like that. And I was like, that was really, really good for me because yeah like i said i didn't i could never do that in the past right now i'm doing like doing it every day you know mm-hmm. because he always he also likes to analyze stuff and and to check techniques and like so it every so everything makes sense you know so that helped me a lot in the past year too that's awesome so when you were going through those times where you didn't really have a ton of competitors to train with or like you said you didn't really have those people to exchange ideas with did you ever like resort to watching instructionals or just competition footage were you someone who like kind of looked outside of your own gym to find inspiration and technical like knowledge from other people oh yeah man i was like always watching competition footage yeah. always is like obsessed you know every day i would watch like one hour of competition footage mm-hmm. like everything that i do i learned uh online that's like, crazy every, every part of my game like because there was never anyone like okay do this do that 
you know so yeah like, my, i had to learn everything online like at first i was watching michael Langi mm -hmm. uh, because like I, when i watched him for the first time he was like so effortless and stuff like that i was like okay i want to do that you yeah know? this game is so smooth <laughs> yeah it's insane and i wasn't i wasn't flexible like naturally i'm not flexible at all but i went to from being not flexible to stretching every day like three times a day to be able to do the things he does you know uh-huh yeah and i would watch like one hour of footage a day then i started watching leander load to pass and uh, like right now i i i'm still the same i watch a lot of competition footage but i just watch everyone like try to take a bit out of everyone's game try to understand uh, as much as i can Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually gonna. That was gonna be my next question. Like, I was gonna ask what the most efficient way to watch competition footage footage is. Excuse me, if you want to add something to your game. Like for me, I feel like if I'm working on a position, like maybe I want to do underhook De La Hiva or something, I'll watch like Andy Marasaki or Mikey or someone who does it really well at a high level. Do you do you take a similar approach or do you? Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's mm -hmm. what I think. Like. Okay, who does this the best? And then I, I start watching and try to understand. I watch one time, two times. I give it a day or two, try it in the gym, go back, watch the same footage. Uh, to me, like what's really important about um, watching competition footage is watching it over and over. Yeah. Like, like doing it like, at least like three times. You watch it once, try to understand. Okay, you got the points. Then you try it in the in the gym, and you'll notice like some things are off. Then you watch it again, and now you watch the same thing, but you're looking for something now. When you watch it for the first time, you're just watching what happens. You're not observing actually anything, you know? Yeah. So it's like, okay, his arm always, like, pushes me. What does he do to prevent the arm from pushing me? You know, okay, he grips there. I didn't notice the first time. Then you try it, and then it works or it doesn't work, and then you go back, mm -hmm. you know? When you do it right, and when you go back, you understand, like, every little movement that he does. Okay, the hook goes here, the hip shifts that way, the hand goes there, you know. And mm. when you fully understand the movement, then, like, okay, I got this. And you go on to the next next thing you want to learn. Yeah, definitely. Are you a fan of watching instructionals, too? Or is it mostly competition footage? No, I just like to watch competition footage. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I like watching instructionals, but I feel like... Every high level, most high level guys, I won't say every, most high level competitors that I talk to, they just prefer to watch competition footage because they know that the techniques are working at a high level. There's no, there's not as much guesswork, I guess. They can see it happening and, and getting the results that they're looking to achieve. Yeah, like, but it's not because of, like competition footage is, um, is better than instructionals, but I think like most instructionals, like, I don't, I don't. I think there's something missing, you know. There's a full context that uh, people don't get into it, you know. Mm. Mostly, most uh, instructions are like, okay, spider guard. I like to do this sweep and then this sweep and that 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 sweep, and then like you just get a bunch of sweeps. But playing spider guard is not a bunch of sweeps. You know, you yeah. have to learn how to control, like what happens the what happens here, how to grip. Uh, what to do when he does that, you know, and like, okay, what's the positioning where you want to be? Where, when, where is it bad to be? And yeah, that's uh, the whole context that you have to give to the person, you know. And if I'm learning something new, like if I'm watching an instructional, I don't think I get that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, because I feel like the things that help me the most in jujitsu are like, if we're using Spider Garter as an example, like this is how you control the position. These are the reactions you're going to get from your opponent this is how to maintain the position when you get those reactions and then like attacks are almost like the last thing like it's no, like here's how you off balance the person here's how you you know re can recover if they do these common passes or whatever would you agree with that no and that's 100 percent for a simple reason if you only know how to attack if you don't know how to defend or control you'll get into spider guard and you'll only think okay this guy's going to toriando 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 and you won't think about the attack yeah. You're not available mentally, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're just, like, getting really spazzy, getting really nervous, and then he will 
actually Toriando, you know? Yeah. If you know how to control and how to defend, you're more chilled, you know? You actually see what's happening, you're able to think, okay, mm -hmm. this is not the moment, okay, this is the moment, you know? Mm -hmm. and, like, to me, you should first learn how to control someone, and then, like, when, you're, when you have confidence in it, okay, let's put some attacks on it. For sure. Yeah, that was a question that I wrote down for you is like kind of some spider guard tips because I was watching a bunch of your matches earlier today and yesterday and just seeing all the positions that you have a lot of success with in tournaments and you're always like able to maintain this. First of all, you get to the spider guard really well, then you're able to maintain it and throw your attacks. So I was going to ask like what was like some spider guard tips you had for people, but it sounds like you would kind of say like, okay, learn how to control the position, learn about your opponent's reactions, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, of course. Awesome. Do you have any similar uh, tips for passing? Because I know you mentioned you watch it. You watch Leandro Lowe did like his sound knee cuts and stuff like that. Um, is it is it kind of the same with passing? Like just learning what types of guards um, your opponent's commonly going to use against your main passes and reactions and dealing with all of that. Like passing is a little bit tricky. It's trickier than playing guard, I think. Because usually when you play guard, when you like you pull to the guard you want to play, mm -hmm. right? Most of the times, sometimes the 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 passer doesn't let you, but like I don't know, eight at least eighty percent of the times, if you want to do spider guard, you get in the lasso and then you get the other sleeve and you can, you know. Yep. Or if you want to play the heva, you get the foot and the um, the other grip and then you start playing the heva, mm -hmm. you know. When you're passing. It's exactly that. You don't choose if, like, okay, I want to knee cut from the Arriva, but he pulls you to currently. What do you do now? <laughs> yeah. You know, so you have to know a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. You you can choose, okay, I'm just going to do this. But if you're on bottom, okay, I'm just going to pull half guard. And most of the times you, you get away with it. If you're yeah. passing, you won't. Yeah, that, I mean, that's. I feel like that's probably the main reason that a lot of high-level competitors pull guard in tournaments is because they know they can get to the positions where they're really strong. Whereas, like, if you're passing, like you said, someone can grab a lapel or grab a sleeve, and they can kind of put you where they want, and you just have to deal with whatever they give you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. That's what makes passing a little bit trickier. You have to know a bit of everything. Like, you don't have to know how to pass. You know, mm -hmm. like, for example, you don't have to know how to pass color and sleeve. But you have to know how to stay safe in current sleeve, break the grips, and for if you want to pass the arriva, force the arriva, and then when he gets to the arriva, you pass. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to know how to pass from every guard, but you have to know how to defend and like lead the game to where you want it to, to go. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's a great tip for people. Like you said, like if someone has collar and sleeve, you can kind of defend the position first, give them your leg. They grab the ankle, and now you can get into your daily heva passing. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, what what are your uh, what are your plans coming up for the next? I would say for for 2021. Um, we're coming out of like a really weird year, and I know it started really good for you, but obviously, I'm sure a lot of your plans got derailed. So what what are your plans for for 2021? Um, right now, um, uh, with a friend of mine. I'm um, actually managing the team, our team, our academy. Mm -hmm. well, like my coach is is still there, but we're doing like we're teaching the classes and actually managing most of the stuff. So yeah, that's one one big project that I have, like mm -hmm. growing the team and not only growing but making it um, go through these tough times, making it after these tough times. Yeah. Definitely. Because like everyone's having a hard time with it. Like there's no, there's nothing with as much contact as jujitsu. And, <laughs> and the coronavirus situation is like, you know. Yeah, it's so the worst it's thing like, possible. <laughs> yeah, like there's nothing. So it's a hard time for everyone, and I just, I just want to yeah, make it in the middle of this, you know, and actually grow the team. Um, and competition-wise, um, um, just training as much as I can, you know, improving as much as I can. I'm not really worrying when the competition will come because you don't know. Like, if you have a date in mind, okay, it's going to be here. And then the time comes and it's not there. 
yeah it's canceled or yeah like it happened and like it uh, demotivates you you know Mm -hmm. so right now i don't care like when the competition is i'm just like trying always to be ready i'm training as much as i can to like if they if they tell me okay competition is tomorrow okay i'm fine to go Mm-hmm. you know so yeah those are my my goals to 2021 awesome so what's the name of your academy that you're helping to manage focus jiu-jitsu focus jiu-jitsu and that's in in portugal yeah we're like the h the hq is in portugal but we're like in spain and uh, holland and angola too awesome so yeah, any anything else you wanted to uh, to talk about, or any like friends or sponsors you wanted to shout out or thank? Yeah, yeah, of course. I want to thank my my sponsor uh, Fuji and BJJ Fight Gear for sticking me with me uh, through this tough year. And um, yeah, I always want to thank to Clinica do Dragão, which is my other sponsor that uh, helps me with like physiotherapy and stuff like that. And it's always with me, like, when I need to. And, yeah, my coaches, too. My coach, Manuel, who always helps me a lot. Um, and my strength and conditioning coach, Mario, who transformed me transformed me with, um, in someone who actually loves to do strength and conditioning. You know, I used to hate it in the past, and now I love <laughs> it. So, yeah, I'm thankful for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thank you again so much, Pedro, for coming on. Like I said, I've been following your career since since that day you fought Espen. And uh, yeah, it's just been really cool watching like your progression and seeing you fight all the high-level black belts. It's been really amazing. So just want to say congrats on your career so far. And we're definitely looking forward to, to seeing you progress even more and, and having you back on the podcast at some point. Matt, thank you. Thank you a lot for the invite. It's a pleasure to, to share some of my experience. And I hope it can help people at least a little bit. Yeah, it definitely will. So thanks, everyone, for listening. This was episode 73. Um, just want to thank some sponsors before we sign out. Um, Electrum Performance, as I mentioned in the beginning, you can use promo code OpenGuardCast25 on their website. Um, that'll get you 25% off any of their programs. We want to thank Jake's Academy, Marikaba BJJ, My Academy, Marcio Andre Jiu-Jitsu, our professors and training partners, um, High Tier Photography, Agro Brand, Chill Fit Cryo, uh, Jake sponsored Break New Ground. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening. This was episode 73, and we will see you guys next week.